0: This is the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Josh Havens. And I'm Chris Lambert. And we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us today, and we hope that as you set aside this time for God, that He will help you grow today in the everyday moments of life.
1: When we think about discipleship, we often think about our own personal journeys in pursuit of Christ. But an important part of walking with Christ is making other disciples, stewarding the gift that we've been given in order to pass it on. And there's no more important way to pass on this gift of discipleship than to our own children. And this week, I believe this is a very special conversation because we're going to be talking about just that. How we cultivate an atmosphere of discipleship in our homes and how we pass that on to the next generation, our children. First off, I'd like to challenge you that if you're listening to this podcast right now and you are married, that this would be a great opportunity for you guys to listen to this together. So maybe if you want to go ahead and listen to it right now and you're on your daily commute, go ahead. But I challenge you to, at a later time, get back together with your spouse and really try to dig through these topics together. Because This week's conversation is going to make a significant impact in your own marriage and in especially the atmosphere in your home and the way you raise your children to be disciples of Jesus themselves.
0: And joining us this week to talk about these important issues is Brian Dietz. Brian Dietz is the marriage and family pastor at High Rock Covenant Church in Arlington, Massachusetts. He's been married to his wife, Heather, for 14 years, and they have three kids, Abby, Lydia, and Caleb. Date nights and family nights are both a favorite part of Brian's week, and he loves encouraging others through the highs and lows of their own marital and family intimacy. In 2011, Brian started developing a curriculum called Milestones, raising a Jesus-loving generation to help families in his congregation celebrate spiritual mile markers and prepare for the next season of discipleship. This curriculum has evolved over the years and continues to be one of Brian's biggest passions. Maybe your week as a family looks like this. You go to church on Sunday mornings, you get home from church, you eat lunch, and you prepare for the rest of the week. Monday morning comes along and all of a sudden the crazy schedule takes full effect and you guys are moving around like crazy. And between Monday morning and Saturday night, All you really think about are the next things on the schedule. And in all of this chaos, it may leave you feeling a little bit empty. Well, today we're going to talk about what a healthy family actually looks like when it comes to our own spiritual development and our relationships with each other in our own families.
1: Brian, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So I thought a great place to begin would be to talk about how God led you into. Being a children's pastor and a, and a, and a family mem, uh, minister. And maybe you could actually describe what that role is for you. How, how, does, how do those two things uh, relate and what is your role in your church?
2: Yeah, sure. Well, I came into our church when uh, we barely really had a lot of families or even kids, um, but they wanted to have some. And so I came in with my own little ones, like a two year old and a baby. And they wanted to build a family ministry. It was more of a young adult college church. And so I came in and got to grow with the church and got to do a variety of roles and uh, figure out my own family while also figuring out kind of what it would look like to disciple families in our community. But the cool thing was, I, unbeknownst to me, had been trained in this since I was a kid myself. I didn't know that families would just go on vacation and just take their bags and just hang out and relax. I always grew up going away with my mom telling us to pack light because we had to make room for all the props and the skits and the games that we were going to use to have all these intergenerational experiences with my cousins and my aunts and my uncles. And that was normal to me until I found out it wasn't that normal for many other people. So really, I grew up in that paradigm of Parents and kids interacting and doing a lot of things together. And then when I became a Christian, it just became natural for me to want to kind of wed all of that into a spiritual experience that families would connect with each other and grow intergenerationally. And so, really, I had a lot of background in it, but um, then did a ton of youth ministry for years and eventually got this job at High Rock in 2009. That gave me the chance to bring it all together and uh, grow into a family ministry pastor. So that's what I've been doing the past 10 years. And uh, I've done a lot of youth and kids stuff all along the way. And now I get to oversee the family ministry.
1: So you didn't grow up in children's ministry? Your beginning description, I would have thought you were uh, your parents were traveling children's ministry at that. So you didn't grow up that way. What were you guys doing?
2: <laughs> so. Every summer we would go away and uh, yeah, we went to church, but we weren't really, yeah, that wasn't a big piece of it per se. Uh, in, this, in the summer, it was like this big like family vacation where like, my aunts and uncles and cousins and grandparents all came together. We went away and we were all vacation together, but we would do all these intergenerational things and hang out and enjoy that. So there was church in the background, but that wasn't necessarily connected to it all until later on for me. But uh, yeah, that was more of just something my mom loved to do. She was a music teacher. So that was kind of just her teaching background came into play. And we literally would do family skit nights and giant family game nights and all this stuff. And that's kind of what I do now. It's kind of funny, but I write big skits for our church and get a bunch of teens and people of all ages engage with them and try to make ways to interact with families and kids and we do uh, family weekends and all that sort of stuff, and that's what I grew up doing, so it's kind of cool how God brought that together. Yeah, that is
1: really cool preparation, very unique. Um, at what point did that sort of click in your mind that the Lord had been using that entire uh, growing up experience to prepare you for uh, the ministry? Was it like you got you started writing your first skit and you sort of were back at one of those summer camps or you know, those family reunions, or uh, did you notice it before?
2: Uh, you know, I think it happened when I was in seminary, and I went to a church that had a family pastor, and I didn't know that was really a thing. But I was really involved in youth ministry and loved that. So certainly, lots of skits from you know being involved in. I was in young life and all that. So I did lots of skits that way. But uh, but then to find out that you could kind of bring all of that together in a ministry in the church was just so exciting, and I immediately latched on to that pastor was, you know, eventually became an intern and mentored there. And then he led a bunch of family camps and all that kind of stuff. So that's what really helped put it together for me and partnering in ministry with that pastor for a number of years.
1: Where'd you go to seminary at? Uh,
2: Gordon Conwell in, uh, yeah, that's how I ended up. I grew up in Pittsburgh, but ended up out here in Boston because I came out here to go to seminary in 1999 and have yet to go home. (laughs) So, I mean, I visit, but, you know, sure, sure.
1: No, I, I get that. And uh, did going into seminary, did you think that this was going to be your uh, uh, career path,
2: if you will? You know, I didn't know. I really wanted to enter seminary wide open and just anxious to learn more about the Bible. And so when I came to seminary the first summer, I was given an internship at a small church that never had an intern. They didn't know what to do with me. They said, uh, whatever you want to do, like, we just have some funds that we were able to fund an intern. So we brought you on. And so about the first week, as much as I was thinking of all these other ideas of things I should try out, I met a few of the teens and just jumped right in because youth ministry had been my primary ministry up until that point. But I met those kids and I just did some pretty cool things. Even the three months I was there, that seemed to just affirm and confirm that like youth were my passion, at least for that season. And uh, And so, yeah, did seven years of middle school ministry and then ended up... As a family pastor, also doing youth ministry here at High Rock, and then grew into the family and marriage pastor today. That's awesome.
1: Um, how did seminary prepare you then for the ministry you're doing now with, with families? One of the things, one of the misconceptions I believe that's really out there is, uh, you know. It, we hear of the the cemetery instead of uh, seminary, right? And it's it's where you go, and you either go to lose your religion, or you you come back and you're really dry and dusty and and kind of kind of boring. How did the, how have the lessons you learned and and learning to dive in and in study scripture? How is that affecting your ministry now?
2: Yeah, I think you know seminary definitely has its pros and cons. I, I would certainly agree. I love my time in seminary. And I was coming out with a music degree; that was my college background. And so, I loved getting the theological background and learning to think theologically. I think that was the main thing that I came away with, and certainly just a ton more depth in my understanding of Scripture and being able to integrate that well then into the teaching that I wanted to do, and really the creative and practical ways that I wanted to reach kids and and teens and families. I don't know that I got a lot of those creative ideas from seminary, but what it did is it grounded it in some ways to then be able to take the truths and the practices of knowing God and then present them in a way that can help hopefully grow families and disciple kids and and their and the teens as well. So I felt like it just gave me that grounding that I needed and the ability to start thinking and asking questions in a theological way that hopefully would then help families get foundations that they could use. But then I think I had to do a lot of translating work to figure out how could families access that. And that's kind of been the journey of the past 17 years of figuring out how to make it accessible in a way that that kids and and parents could, could use.
1: Yeah, I think that we found that to be so true from from our time in seminary, is it really did ground us in that theological thinking, and, and I love that that way that you even said it, is thinking theologically, because it's I think it's an underserved area in our churches today that people take it for granted that when we read Scripture, we actually do have to develop a way of thinking about that when we read it in order to understand it, in order to uh, interpret it correctly. But at the same time, there is that application section, and, and sometimes there's that huge chasm that we just have a tendency to, to jump over and, and we skip all the theological stuff. So I was wondering if you could um, just one or two examples, if they come to mind, of ways that you have worked to translate that theological thinking into some of these more practical uh, events that you've been doing.
2: Uh, that is a great question, uh, and I feel like that's often just sort of a journey I'm trying to do, and one of the things that comes to mind ever since I've started is the desire to, to take a bunch of teams, and I've worked I worked with middle schoolers. Actually, the primary consistent thing I've done for 17 years is work with middle schoolers, and um, always wanting to invite any of them that wanted to kind of go to the next level with their faith and, uh, and meet outside a couple times a month. And then really, they're sort of my like, whatever I'm thinking about or learning myself, it's like taking that and they're sort of my test case. Like, if what I'm learning can't translate into their lives in some relevant way, then it may not be as valuable as I think. Or how can I take that and make it something accessible to them? And so over the years, I mean, I might be reading a fairly heavy type of book, but trying to figure out, okay, where does that go? Or a spiritual discipline or a spiritual practice and saying, okay, what would make this accessible for these guys? And let's, let's play with that together and see how I can disciple them in that way. So that's been a con- constant, really, almost all 17 years. Until recently, I've sort of handed that off. But having a group of students that I was just always trying to figure out, how can I take these things and bring it into their lives? I think the ongoing teaching I do is, is always that way. And then um, we also have a class now that I started with middle schoolers and then translated into a ninth grade class. And it's just a 12-week class, sort of a typical baptism or confirmation class. But I really do. I basically broke it up into three sections, historical, spiritual, and theological foundations. And then again, trying to be as creative as possible. And so this week, I'm looking forward to teaching about the fall of Jerusalem. And we do that whole thing with, with starbursts. And so I give them a ton of starbursts and then talk about the ways that the Romans were taxing the Jews. And I take away all their starbursts and get them really mad at me. And I said, multiply that a hundredfold and this is why the Jews revolted and da, 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 da. So trying to take some of that history and then launching that into a discussion of like what would happen if your whole foundation of your church was ripped away from you, the temple destroyed, and what would you do? What would it mean today for you to become the church and build a church yourself? And how would you build a church? So that kind of thing is sort of taking it, trying to make it creative, and then I give them the starburst back at the end, and they're much happier. So,
0: <laughs> that's very nice that's of you. That's the little that is very nice. <laughs> journey.
1: But I love your relational approach where it first starts with your relationship with Christ first and what you're learning, with, what you're learning walking with Him, and then you sort of translate into... Uh, you know, the people that that are essentially following you as you follow Christ. So I think that is a really good approach and one that's underserved um, in the church today, particularly with uh, children's ministry. Um, So just to clarify, what kind of age groups are you working with now? Do you oversee several ministries, or are you directly in charge of or preaching to uh, a particular age group?
2: Yeah, so at this point, I have a team doing all the things that I've done in the past. So I have a middle school and high school director, as well as an elementary and early childhood director. So there's four of them, as well as a few others that I get to oversee, having really, again, done their jobs over the years, um, and now kind of get to coach them, develop them, encourage them, and just be blessed by them. They're awesome. And then I primarily now focus in on the parent piece as well as the marriage piece. And so I'm the family and marriage pastor. Another title sometimes churches call it the next gen pastor. So the pastor oversees all the things that are happening with the next generation and their parents and trying to think through kind of a holistic approach from, from diapers to diplomas, what's going on and how do we navigate faith and nurture faith all the way through.
0: Let me ask you this then. In, uh... Understanding what you've learned through seminary and, and all of this work with these different age groups, as a as a marriage and family pastor, what does a healthy family unit look like? Because I mean as, as pastors, we wanna we wanna help shepherd people and, and help them become transformed into the image of Christ. So from where from your from your perspective, what is a healthy family unit, what is the outcome of a good family spiritual formation activity look like?
2: Yeah, I think breaking it down really simply, and we can certainly unpack this a lot more, I think there would be two main things I would hope for. One, I would think a lot about the community experience within the family, and then the community connections beyond the family. So being able to have a good feel and community at home, but also that's going to be related to having good community connections you know, with the body of Christ, so the larger family. And then I think the other piece of that is an intentionality that includes, one of my biggest things is always how can I facilitate spiritual conversations and set parents up? Really, I just, I just told some parents on Sunday, I'm like, I'm trying to serve you up the meatiest pitch that you can just knock it out of the park with in every possible way, so I wanna give you experiences and set you up with ways that you're going to have easy spiritual conversations with your kids. But then hopefully, once I set you up with those, you begin to learn how to do that better yourself and work on that yourself. Because I just, I think, you know, one of my things is always we're on this horizontal plane, and I always want to take people vertical. Like, how do I get them out of just the horizontal day-to-day interactions, functional, and get them on a spiritual level? So If a family has great community and is intentional with spiritual conversations, which is very broad, it can expand to a lot of different things. I think that's huge, which, you know, what that's not necessarily saying, though, is it doesn't just mean, you know, a bunch of Bible or you have a bunch of, you know, church attendance or something like that. I feel like that's good. Obviously, those are good things, but I I would love to see it go deeper into the community experience of the home or we talk about home tones, the tone of the home as well as the intentionality and in, in trying to have spiritual conversations and addressing various topics, which there's many, many, many ones to talk about.
0: Two of our main tenets at Daily Growth Discipleship are practicing the basics and walking with someone else. And this really goes hand in hand with what Brian's definition is of a healthy family. It takes intentional spiritual formation And it takes a community involvement that we really don't see all that much of today. It's easy to go to church and spend time with people once a week, but really it takes an intentional spiritual formation inside a community of believers to really develop healthy spiritual families. So as you go about your day to day, I want you to try to find one thing that you can do intentionally with your entire family to help them grow spiritually and to bring you all together closer as a family unit. That can be anything from reading the Bible together for three to five minutes, going outside and playing a game and talking about how great God is and that he created the world around us. Even the little things like that can go a long ways in helping us grow together spiritually as a family. Thanks for listening to the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's happening at Daily Growth, go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify.